This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Happy Friday, everybody. Walking up into phase two, if you will, in the Florida quarantine, whatever you want to call it, whatchamacallit. But phase two will be uh, in place, I believe, on Monday, Coos, if I'm not mistaken. Gyms opening back up, restaurants opening back up. Coos, what's the latest on the bar scene here? I, I, I haven't heard anything about bars, but I know they said on Monday, or DeSantis said on Monday, uh, the gyms can reopen, like you said, yeah. uh, but they have to operate at like 50%, 50%. capacity. Uh, restaurants are allowed to have 50% indoor capacity, okay. and I believe retail is is uh same situation. So listen, um, they haven't really spoke yet what's going to happen in terms of the rules of who can enter the gym, who can't. Will there be like a camping out situation like you're at Best Buy during Christmas, you know, or trying to wait for like that, that gift to come out or Thanksgiving on Black Friday? I'm not sure what's going to happen with that yet. But I'll tell you right now, if I drive past the YMCA on a Monday, and keep in mind, this, this is coming from a guy who hasn't deadlifted in over two months now, okay? As far as my body mass index, it's hurting a little bit. As far as my quads, not firing. Hamstrings, not firing. Glutes, not firing. All I've been doing is air squats and kettlebell workouts, but the kettlebell only weighs 65 pounds. So I've been struggling from that standpoint. I have to get back in the gym and get my body back in tune. And all I'm going to say is if I go in the YMCA, and keep in mind, I don't pay for membership because the NFL covers it. So I'm already totally privileged. All right. So I'm the last person to be complaining right now since I don't have to pay for anything. But if I go to the YMCA on Monday and they turn me away, coos. Coos. Well, let me tell you, I might have to call Brian Murphy and be like, give me your gold medal. I, I, need, to get, <laughs> I need to use this. I need to use this VIP pass and get him a squat rack and get on the, you know, the, the deadlift platform, if you will. Something I, uh, was I took away from it was that, you know, they were like, everyone has to sanitize the equipment after they're done. And I was like, uh, I kind of hope you were doing that beforehand, but okay. Well, I mean, there is some gym. You know, there's there's proper gym courtesy. Yes, right. you, you wipe down the benches. Now, I'm not going to lie. If I use some dumbbells, I'm not going to wipe down the dumbbells, but I feel like you have to do that now. I'm just, yes. I'm just interested in how this is all going to look. And you want to talk about phase one, phase two, phase three. You know, we sat on this show about a month ago, and I kind of portrayed the fact that when the Packers took Jordan Love in the first round, it was it was it was it was a pandemic of itself, right? People were out of control. Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. What are the Green Bay Packers doing? They were one game away from going to the Super Bowl, and now you get the backup quarterback. What's going on in Green Bay? I had to talk ten or fifteen friends off the ledge, man. They know what was going on. You want to know how much that Jordan Love thing swung the phase one, phase two, phase three? So Wisconsin, the, the state that has been probably the most conservative in how they've handled the pandemic. It hasn't been like Florida where people are hanging out at the beaches. It hasn't been like Florida where people are going to restaurants. No, Wisconsin was on lockdown. Like you couldn't go anywhere. Bars shut down. Cheese factories shut down. If you're in Wisconsin, that hurts, man, especially when it's cold temperatures. What else are you going to do? You're going to drink and eat cheese. Not hating on it. I grew up there, but it is what it is. Well, all of a sudden, Jordan Love comes to Green Bay. And all of a sudden, Packer fans are a little more depressed, if you will. And do you know what the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court did? Because the governor said, all right, let's shut everything down. Let's wait until you know May, June, start gradually opening things back up. The Supreme Court said, no, 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 no. 
That's cool that you're the governor or anything, but we have jurisdiction here. And since Jordan Love's in town, people got to get their drink on. They opened everything back up. Bars, restaurants, everything is open back up right now in Wisconsin. How crazy is that, man? Like, they they were getting so much crap for not being the ones that, you know, kind of gradually opened things up. Everything was closed. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Wisconsin Supreme Court goes, hey, Packer fans, we hear you. We, we, We hear your cries. You guys are thirsty. Go to those bars and enjoy. It's absolutely insane. I mean, I guess if you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. But I, it, it seemed. I don't want to say reckless, but you know, feels a little bit. Times are tough right now in Green Bay, man. <laughs> All right, like it's what's one thing. You know, we talk about like the craziness going on in New York right now. The craziness happening in Green Bay, and hopefully we get some Aaron Rodgers audio later today because he he has his first press conference talk in the media since the pick happened. I'm really curious to hear what he says. Action Sports Jack's Austin Lane joined by, well, really myself here in the studio today. We got Kuz in the back pushing all the right buttons. My co-host Brent Martino is actually taking his daughter today to get her driver's license. Big day. Big day in the Martino household. Big well, day permit, with the right? Martino clan. Is, is it the license or the permit? I think it's permit. It's the permit. Too young for license, but permit. Shows, it shows you how much I pay attention sometimes, um, you know, when we're talking in the yeah, studio. Yesterday when you said you should let her drive, I was like, I don't think you can do that with a permit, but all right. Okay, well, I mean, I guess every state's different, but best of luck to her. I mean, is there anything really involved in it then? Because, like, the, this is Florida rules, the, it's man. Like this is different. It's a written test, right? It's like the, the step to allow you to start learning. Okay. Have You you had to take a written one, right? Oh, yeah, man. So, like, in Wisconsin, we had the written portion, and then it was set up where we had to ride with mom and dad and everything like that yes. for a couple months. And then after that, we turned 16, you got your license. You take so, a test. And then... So that's what's going on right now. So she has to wait to get her license, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think she's got to take the written part, I, okay. think, I believe. Okay. And I know I failed that the first time. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing we got to ask ourselves here. Brent Marno, you know, very humble individual, but also a man who has a fireplace in his backyard in the middle of Jacksonville, Florida. Okay? So when you talk about money, we don't got to talk about money. You know, it's, it's just, it is what it is. But when you talk about that, I mean, one begs the question, you know, what kind of car will Ty be getting? What kind of car will Tilly, Kaylee be getting? Because, I mean, that, that, that's the big thing, man. You know, when you're in high school, you get your license, you have to have that fresh ride, all right? You, you can't be driving around in a in a Pontiac Grand Am anymore with Instagram, with TikTok. Like, you got to keep up on appearances. So we'll, we'll see what kind of what kind of cars and kind of vehicles Mr. Martineau uh, brings to the table here. I know I had a 96 Ford Explorer, my so, first car. So when you got your license, man, like, what was the first thing that you did? I probably drove to work, honestly. For real? I, I don't That's know. That's depressing, like, I, man. You don't remember it? I So mine was different. Like, I took a, a Pennsylvania offered a class Okay. that would, you know, once you got your permit, you could go into this class. And it was like a, it was like two or three months long. Mm-hmm. And once you did that, you took a driver's test, but it was like an easier test because they put you through this whole class. Um, and so once I got that, like, I guess... I can't necessarily remember, but I remember not being allowed to have, like, friends in the car. Like, it was just me if I was driving to somewhere. So I yeah. feel like it was probably just to work, honestly. You don't remember, man. That's crazy. I don't. Dude, and I'm the only that's punched in the face and played football for a living. <laughs> and I remember, like, it was yesterday, man. Like, dude, so in terms of stories and in terms of getting your license, it went from one of the greatest days of my life to, honestly, straight out of a horror story. And we've got a couple minutes, right? We can get into it. And... Everything I'm about to say actually happened. Now you're gonna you're gonna go on Twitter, you know, Kuz, you're gonna say you made this up. 
I kid you not, you can ask any one of my friends. This is exactly how the first day of my driver's license went down. Okay? So to set the scene a little bit, Iowa, Wisconsin, springtime. Obviously, my birthday's in November, but the way that worked, uh, you know, for the permit, you had to turn 16, and then it was like four or five months after that, back then is when you got your license, right? So it's the springtime. I'm not playing baseball. I'm not running track. I'm not in any kind of springtime sports. So when school got out, mom and I, took her uh, Grand Cherokee, Jeep Grand Cherokee to Stevens Point about a 30-minute drive to get my license, man. Now, what I had on tap, what I had on deck for a vehicle was a 1979 Lincoln Continental, okay? If, if you need to try to paint a picture of what that looked like, imagine a Nelly video, you know, like country grammar, and those cars in the background with all the chicks dancing with their... I'm sorry, all the girls dancing with their St. Louis Blues jerseys and all their Cardinals jerseys and those cars in the background. That's exactly what I was bringing on the table, okay? It was immaculate. It was mint condition. Um, cost me $1,700. Now, the okay, I'll be honest with you. The gas gauge didn't work. That's fine. That, that's that's cosmic. No, no one notices that. It's cosmetic stuff. Um, the speedometer didn't work either. Not a big deal either. But I had a silver 1979 Lincoln Continental. And keep in mind, my friends didn't really know this yet. I, I try to make it like a surprise. Cause like what I envisioned was I was going to pull up like on the red carpet, right? I was going to get my license and it was like the Oscars. Oh, let's see what Austin's rocking. Dang, 1979 Lincoln Continental. Everybody else in our town had Pontiac Grand Dams. I don't know what the deal was with Pontiac Grand Dams. There might have been like a plant nearby, but I kid you not, nine um, out of ten kids in my class rocked the Pontiac Grand Dam. I was different, man. I was, I was out there. And you want to talk about class, sophistication, um, just overall badassness, if you will. The 1979 Lincoln Continental in silver was that. Well, it was silver. I call it gunmetal. So I go get my license, crushed it. Four points off. Mom's happy. We're celebrating. I think we went to Taco Bell after, you know, a nice little treat. Um, and I'm driving home, and I'm like, I can't wait to get the keys. I'm going to take my Lincoln out for a ride, going to pick up the homies, and we're going to do this thing, right? So I get home, and keep in mind, too, back in those days, because you could probably test this a little bit, sound systems were a thing, right? Everyone had the jail audio subs in the back rattling the trunk, right? Well, with the 1979 Lincoln Continental, you would have thought that I was in, like, a Rock Nation studio, right? Because this wasn't a plastic vehicle, right? This, this wasn't like the, like the you, you hit a deer and it's totaled. No, man. This was 1979 twisted steel and sex appeal, all steel, man. All iron, okay? So the acoustics, when that trunk was rattling, you would have thought, like, an army was coming, all right? So I had that going for me. I had the subs in the back. Um, I had to just got out of the car wash. Like, we're ready to go. So I go home, get the car, go pick up my boy Griff. Because at this time, you only have one person in the car. Didn't really abide by those rules. Hopefully, mom's not listening. Anyways, go pick up my boy Griff. Griff, got my license. Let's do this. Oh, man, you got it. Let's go. So we get in the car. We drive. And keep in mind, this is Iowa, Wisconsin. Not much to see. There's not a lot of scenic routes around, right? And my subs are blaring. I'll never forget this. I'm bumping Bone, bone Crusher Never Scared. You know what song I'm talking about? I'm never scared. I'm never, you know, and obviously there's some more words to that, but I can't announce them on the radio. I'll probably be fired. But I'm blasting that song. Windows down, subs turned up to 11. Like, you couldn't tell me anything. We pull in a parking lot because I see a bunch of nerds on their bikes, right? Because they have bikes. I have my car now. So so everyone's nerds. So I pull in the parking lot, and there's probably 15, 20 people just kind of congregating, hanging out, you know. That's what kids do in Iowa, Wisconsin after school. You know, if you're not in athletic programs, 
you're just chilling. So I pull in the parking lot, and all of a sudden it's like, who's that guy? Because keep in mind, no one's seen my car yet. So I'm pulling the parking lot, man, and everyone's going, wow. Oh, snap, it's Austin. Dang, look at this car. Like, dude. You know that feeling when you go to a party, you haven't seen friends in a while, and everyone's like, what's up, man? Long time no see. What's going to be after this yeah. quarantine? Yeah, exactly. And, like, it's just, it's a good feeling, right? Like, it's just, you can't really explain it, but it's just, it's a happy feeling that you get. So I pull in the parking lot, and I get ready to put the, you know, car in park, hit the brakes. The brakes don't work. The, the, the brakes are not working, okay? So... Immediately, I'm just driving forward, and my friends notice, like, okay, he's not stopping, so, like, let's kind of move out of the way. This guy's crazy. Is he drunk? What's going on? So keep in mind, during my driver's test and during driver's ed, they never told you what to do if your brakes fail, okay? That's what I'm currently going through right now, and I'm panicking. So I'm realistically probably doing maybe 10 miles per hour in the parking lot just doing donuts, saying, what should I do? What should I do? Too scared to turn down the radio. Bone crusher never scared. still going off. Spoiler alert, though. You were very scared. Yeah, but, but guess what? I'm very scared. Scared to the standpoint where I turn to my boy Griff. I'm like, Griff, dude, like, what, what should I do here, man? Because like, I thought, do I put it in park? But then that's going to ruin the transmission, right? Everything's just going to go to hell. I don't want to do that. It's my first car, obviously. My first day having the car. I can't ruin my transmission. So I turned to Griff. How he heard me through the music, I have no idea. But like, dude, what should we do? I kid you not. And Griff, one of my best friends of all time. I've been the best man at his wedding. Um, I'd do anything for that guy. But it, in terms of when the grenades were coming and the bolts were flying, Griff fled. Griff opened the car door and rolled out. And when I say rolled out, <laughs> keep in mind, I'm still doing 10 miles per hour. So, like, it's not that serious, but it's still a little serious. Yeah. So now I'm going around in a circle. Griff flew out, and I'm trying to figure out what do I got to do. So eventually I get it in my mind, all right, it's a steel car. The damage probably won't be that big. I'm going to drive up an embankment, like kind of like the curb, and hopefully it gets stuck on there. I drive up the curb. It gets stuck. I'm like, thank God. The problem is, though, in that embankment, now I'm in the middle of the road. I'm like, oh, I can't be in the middle of the road. If a car doesn't see me for some reason, I'm done, right? So what do I do like an idiot? Put it in reverse. Put it in reverse, and now I'm doing reverse donuts in the parking lot. Finally, after, and I kid you not, man, after five minutes of just donuts, 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 someone screams, just turn the ignition off. I turn the ignition off. Boom. We're all good. Now. Was there damage to some plants and some flowers on the embankment? You better believe it. Did somebody call the cops on me because they thought I was joyriding and somebody snitched on me? You better believe it. So not only did my car not have its brakes, but now the cops are questioning me saying, hey, are you joyriding? Are you drunk? What's going on here? I'm like, no, sir. My my brakes went out. Um, You know, there's nothing I could do. I I panicked. I, I was nervous. So what ended up happening was it was the master cylinder in my car went out. Don't know what that means. Not sure what it does. That's what my grandpa told me. He said, oh, yeah, that happens sometimes in these old cars. I'm like, hey, grandpa, happens sometimes let's in these old cars. Like, yeah, let's never do that again. So I've got the master cylinder fixed. And needless to say, uh, never had another incident again um, as far as I had that car, man. But eight miles to the gallon. Didn't have a gas gauge. Ran out of gas a couple times, obviously. No speedometer. Um, it was something, man. But, but there's nothing quite like getting your driver's license on that first day, and hopefully Kaylee, you know, if she passes her temps and everything, can experience what I felt like, obviously not having your brakes go out on you. When we get back here on ESPN 690, we have to break down the show today. We got some special guests coming in. Uh, we got a lot of storylines going on. A couple of players are in some deep trouble right now in the NFL. We'll get into that a little bit. College football, what's that looking like? A lot more here on ESPN 690 when we come back. Yeah, I think you got to look at it a couple different ways. I think that 
schematically get outside the pocket and you have the ability to do that, you want to be make sure that you're accurate and you're still pushing the ball vertically down the field. Obviously, you want the rhythm, you want the reads, you want to be able to diagnose the coverages that are going on and be able to, you know, deliver, you know, the football. The next thing is, okay, when nothing's there, can you create? Are you going to hold the ball? Are you going to move around a little bit? And then where, what is your vision down the field? Jaguars head coach Doug Marone talking about Gardner Minshew escaping the pocket. We actually we broke that down a little bit here. Um, man, this is probably halfway through the season, and it was something that really stood out to me a lot. And we talked about it a little bit in terms of Gardner Minshew, and maybe something that he can kind of work on a little bit. Um, and that's when he leaves the pocket, when he scrambles, how he hangs onto the football. Okay, now usually this could be a it could be a college thing where a coach kind of over approaches it by saying, well. By all means, hang on to the football. Don't worry about fumbling. Like Your prime job is to hang on to the football. And maybe that's where this tendency came from a little bit. But I noticed it right away with him, even in preseason. But when he leaves the pocket, he hangs on to the ball with two hands. Now, you sit here and say, well, Austin, what's the big deal? Like You want to have the ball security, so isn't that what you want to do? I mean, everybody else, you know, you have to hold it high and tight and things like that. Yes, I get that. But I challenge everybody at home listening, not obviously in the car right now, but when you get home, take a bottle, take a stick or whatever, and just sprint maybe five yards. Sprint five yards in one hand with it and see what happens, okay? Then take that same bottle, take that same stick, and hold it with both hands and sprint and see which one feels better, number one, but see if you're faster with you know one hand on the stick or two hands on the stick. Obviously, it's going to be obvious which one it is. And this is the you know this is the thing with Gardner Minshew, where he he has had a couple fumbles. Um, you know he has tried to obviously extend that drive, which I'm never mad about, and Jaguars fans shouldn't be mad about that either. You know I think you want a quarterback who's willing to take risks um, to try to gunsling the ball down the field and make a play happen. I get that, but obviously when you're exiting the pocket with these linebackers, with these defensive ends that are in the four six, you know the four five range, man, they're freaks of athlete, you know they're freaks nature these days um to hold the ha- ball with two hands it just you know it, it it could take off a fraction of a second and that fraction of a second could mean everything between a touchdown and a turnover so i wonder you know if um you know if gruden or or possibly ben mcadoo have seen this like i've seen it and are going to address it during the off season or if minch is already working on it himself maybe he saw it himself where it's like yeah i have to maybe improve a little bit of how he eggs in the pocket yes it's cool to hang on to the ball with two hands but it's slowing me down a little bit and obviously the name of the game when you exit the pocket is to get out of there as fast as you can and make a play happen so that'll be an interesting storyline with garden Minshew. i think that doesn't get talked about a lot is exactly how he's going to you know, critique how, how he's going to tweak everything when he leaves the pocket. But, um, you know, it's great to hear from Doug Morell, and we're going we're to touch some more about this later. I guess there's some kind of Jaguars competition going on. Uh, what's Jaguar can cook the best food as in terms of a team bonding exercise? So uh, I have some pictures of that that I found on the Internet. We're going to break that down a little bit. But what a time to be alive right now if you're a football player in the NFL. Cooking exercises for team bonding. That's awesome, man, okay? Because I came from the Joe Cullen School of Hard Knocks, and we went to TPC in a golf outing. Spoiler alert, I don't golf. My partner who was there, Tyson Aluwalu, doesn't golf. So you want to talk about having a pressure cooker of a defensive line coach who's borderline crazy already? Try being paired in a foursome with him and then another coach at the golf course of all golf courses in Jacksonville of TPC Sawgrass. 
I'll never forget it, man. Like, I remember Tyson hit it first. Horrible. I hit it. Horrible. And, like, the whole time, Joe's just like, you got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me with that shot, Austin? Come on, Tyson. Let's go. We got to win this thing. Like, the guy can't turn it off. All right? Like, he's always a coach. Like, coach, it's supposed to be a team bonding thing. Like, tell me about your family. Tell me about where you grew up. Like, what's, you know, what are some of your favorite movies? Oh, no. The only goal of our group was to try to win the whole thing. We didn't, obviously, but the worst part about it was is that I felt so much pressure from Joe Cohen yelling at me, cussing at me to hit a better ball. So the first hole I tee off, horrible. Because you see me golf, I'm not good. And I'm going to be honest, you know why? Because I don't golf and I don't care. So Joe immediately lays into me. So I'm thinking, all right, Joe Cohen must be like the amateur Tiger Woods of this thing then. Right, like he must be legit because for him to be calling me out, for him to be, come on, you got to be better than that. Believe me when I say, you seen that Charles Barkley video where he's on the tee and he's teeing off and it oh, was, yeah. hey, Joe Cohen in that stratosphere. Okay, bad. So I'm like, this dude is trying to talk smack to me about my golfing style and he's trying to act like he's running this show. And then I watch him golf. I'm like, oh no. Okay, well, no, you, you can't tell me anything anymore, coach, because you're the worst one at anybody. So don't tell me anything, all right? Because I saw your shot, um, and it's not good. So that was just that's, that's the kind of team bonding stuff that I had. I would have loved to cook a pizza or something like that. But like I said, we're going to break that down a little bit later in the show. And later in the show, too, we got a special treat for you guys today. We've talked about this guy a lot. I hope he comes on, actually. His phone's turned off right now. He kind of marches to the beat of his own drum, so we'll see what happens. But we're supposed to be joined by Evan Britton here in the 4 o'clock hour. Evan Britton, obviously, former Jacksonville Jaguar, former Chicago Bear, but a guy that I truly feel like, out of all the players that I've shared a locker room with, and there's been some great ones, the most unique, the most, um, I guess I would say, marches to the beat of his own drum, kind of player you're ever going to meet. So hopefully we get him out on the 4 o'clock hour. I can pick his brain a little bit. I, he's got his podcast now with Mike Tyson because, of course, it's Evan Britton. What else would he be doing? So there's a lot of stuff to talk about with Evan Britton. Can't wait to have him on the show. And then the 5 o'clock hour, um, Brent said that Dana White's the most famous guest that we've had on the show, and I'd probably agree with him. But if we're talking about Twitter followers here, if we're talking in the millions, and by the way, what, who really cares about Twitter followers? But I'm just saying from the standpoint of people know who this guy is, you should know who this guy is. In the 5 o'clock hour, we got CM Punk. So it's a special little show today. Um, my co-host Brent Martineau obviously out with his daughter as she gets her learner's permit for driving. So I- I'm kind of steering the ship right now. I have the keys to the show. Hopefully we don't crash. But we have some great guests coming on for you guys later on in the show. I want to get into a little bit, though, Coos, about the NCAA and what's been going on right now in college football. And it's so hard to kind of gauge where they're at because every single day the story changes. Every single day the dialogue is something new. You know, like now it seems like the SEC is ready to just to kind of branch off and do their own thing. You know, the, the Big Ten's going to wait until students are back on campus. And, you know, obviously in California and everything, I mean, the California's been pretty adamant about saying, hey, we're not playing football until, you know, a couple months from now. So talking about training camp, talking about, you know, college football, we're not concerned about that right now. So it seems like every region, you know, every conference of college football has something different. Now, we'll see with the NFL what happens there, but I want to focus quick on college football, right? Because you have an organization by the name of the NCAA, and they're supposed to run the show, okay? And the NCAA was implemented to essentially go, you know what? You guys have to adhere by these rules. We have to take care of our student athletes, and we have to make sure that it's a fair game. All right, cool. Now, do I have a lot of gripes about the NCAA? You better believe it. 
Am I going to talk about them right now? No. That's a story for another day. But there's, I can go into a laundry list of things that are wrong with the NCAA. But overall, I think they've always kind of preached player safety and doing the right thing in terms of taking care of the student-athletes. Now, when I say taking care of the student-athletes, I don't mean, you know, suspending a guy because he has a YouTube account and he's getting money off that. That's not what I mean by taking care of the athletes. I mean the health of the athletes. I think they are honestly concerned about the health of the athletes. So when I start to read articles about, you know, the state of Florida opening back up, when I start to read articles about the SEC is all systems go, I get a little frustrated, okay? Because people right now are not on the same page. And the way I can foresee this thing happening for the college football season is going to be an ultimate crap show. This isn't like the NFL where, you know, you have Roger Goodell and, yeah, maybe some cities are going to be open sooner than others. But, like, you you get the feeling that it's going to be a uniform kind of plan. You get the feeling that eventually everyone will be on the same page. With college football right now, it's not even close to that. Okay, and what I have an issue with with the NCAA is when you have conferences like the SEC going saying, you know what, screw it, we don't need non-conference games. We'll play our conference games because we're the SEC, and we'll see who the winner's going to be, and we'll see who the champion's going to be because you know we're the S- we're the big bad SEC, and we play the best college football in America. Now, do you? Probably. I mean, you have schools like Alabama. You have schools like LSU. So, yeah, you guys won a lot of championships. Okay. I think Clemson's been pretty good. Clemson's in the ACC. Okay. I think the, the Big Ten has been represented pretty good. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, the SEC is not above, you know, every other conference. I mean, they have the numbers to back it up. They have the draft picks to back it up. But I'm not giving Vanderbilt props. Not giving Tennessee props. Not giving UK props. Okay, I give Florida Gators some props and the University of Georgia some props. But besides that, man, it is what it is. So when we talk about schools trying to do their own thing now, where it's like, all right, well, students may not be back on campus yet, but our football team is going to play. This is where I have the issue. Okay, because if you look at a college athlete, what is he on? He's on a scholarship. Okay, that scholarship was put in place for school. You play football to a high level in high school, you have a chance to get your education paid for. If you can't go on campus and go to class, but you still have to go to the stadium and go to practice, how is that even a thing? How are we having this conversation right now? This is where I think the NCAA has got to step in and say, listen, there's not going to be classes in the summer or in the fall leading up to training camp. Then what are you doing with these college football players? Question for you. Go ahead. Would your opinion change if it was still online classes? Like they're still offering classes. It's online so that no. people can still social Would, distance. No, no, I'm I'm pretty much in the bunker right now in terms of how I feel about yeah, yeah. that. Because how can you, if you're a college president or if you're a college dean, how can you justify when you know the the health and safety of your students should be the number one priority? So how can you justify your students on online classes, you know, getting their degrees and that, that's cool. That's great. You know, I mean, you don't have to do that with, with the pandemic and everything. But then how can you justify and turn around and say, yeah, but we still have our football players on campus practicing because, well, let's be honest, they're football players and they bring the school a lot of money. Like, yeah. that's, that's what it comes down to. So where's the NCAA in all this right now? True. Okay. What, where's the NCAA trying to look out for the player's health? Now, listen, I'm not naive. I'm not saying that if the player catches COVID-19, is he probably going to die? No. And if you look at the numbers, that's far from going to happen, I, I believe, obviously. But it could ruin his season. But it could ruin his season, number one. But number two, it's, it's the optics, man. Okay? Because think about it. This is college football. 
You have 70-something guys in a locker room sharing showers, sharing lockers. Like, what do you think is going to happen? If one guy gets it, more than likely, somebody else is going to get it. So then say four or five guys get COVID-19. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, all right, well, let's quarantine those four or five guys, and then the other guys can go ahead and go on like they are. And listen, I'm not trying to say no college football this year. I, I want college football. Heck, I need college football to talk on the show, okay? So, like, I want football here. But to see these different conferences, see these different schools kind of go gung-ho and cavalier and do their own thing, it's driving me absolutely crazy. And then to see the NCAA, who has every right to step up and say, hey, let's just calm down here and see what happens. No, you're, you're the kid at the party that has a beer in his hand, but you're not doing anything. Like, you're just... You're a wallflower in this case. You're the NCAA. You were put in place to make decisions like this. So it's it's just driving me crazy. And once again, we talked about it yesterday a little bit. When we talk about football players, you know, and, and obviously student-athletes in general in college, they deserve to get their names licensed, okay? So push for that then. Make it worth the players' while, you know, while to show up and actually, you know, quote-unquote, risk their, their health for the betterment of a university. Like, where are the deans right now that are saying, yeah, we shouldn't have these kids on campus, we shouldn't have college football players on campus because, you know, health is the number one priority. You, you, you cannot justify. If you're a president, if you're a dean, or if you're the NCAA, you cannot justify having, you know, kids, your students take online classes, but then you have the football team showing up every single day for practice. That's not how it works, man. You can't have it both ways. So either you implement it and say, you know what? Students will eventually be back on campus, maybe three or four weeks later than expected, but they'll be back, and then I'm okay with it, right? Because usually how it works in college football anyways is volleyball teams and football teams get to school before the students do, right? Because there's there's just practices, there's summer ball and all that stuff. Okay, I get that. But you have to kind of put it out there that even though they're at the university first, the students will be joining them in, in a little bit, okay? Or else, to me, the NCAA isn't doing its job. And to be fair, I don't think the presidents are doing their job either. Something that I was just thinking when you were talking about that, because you, you, you mentioned, you know, the players being in the locker room. Yeah. Um, and then if one person has it, it might be a whole thing. And, you know, like, you know, certain positions practice together, like you were saying. So what if, like, for, say, you know, just for an example, the Gators, you know, yeah. what if they're, all their quarterbacks come down with it? What do you do schematically, like for for a football? Well, like, how do you? I mean, you gotta think about it from from so many angles, Coos, because there's so many tentacles to this right. thing, right? Where yeah, you have your position groups, you have coaches who are older. Okay, last time I checked, COVID nineteen affects the elderly and it affects the older people. Okay, so if you have a coach who's up there in age and there's a lot of them in college football, then what? You know, and I just th- there's no play. I mean, and I get it. We're still a little ways away. And maybe you're thinking right now, you're listening at home or on your drive home, Austin, you're overreacting, man. Like, let's just calm down and see how this plays out. Yeah, I get that. But I'm trying to get ahead of this thing. I'm trying to get ahead of what should have happened, you know, even in sports before. Like, you had one Utah Jazz player come down with it, and what happened? The whole sports world shut down. Okay? Now, we, I think, are far as a society from that point. Okay? Well, and I would say with that, not just, I guess, just to play devil's advocate there, I would say with basketball, because there's so many games in rapid succession, you know what I mean? Like, I know with quarantine, like with this, you know, you need, it's, they're saying 14 days, right? Yeah. Well, football, when you play another team, there's at least a week in between. So with basketball, it's like, it could be two days in a row where they play two different teams. So with the Jazz, you could trace almost every single NBA team back to the Jazz in the past five 
Sure. Six well, days. Well, and that's a great point, but keep in mind, Coos, I think NBA rosters have what? Like maybe 15, f- 15 12 are active yeah. or something like that. And then obviously the coaches. So essentially, let's just say you have around maybe 20 to 25 guys on that bench. You know, you know how many players the football team has? A lot more than okay. that. Okay. And do, do you know how many coaches, trainers, um, you know, is on a football team? It's exponentially a lot higher. So I get what you're saying where, yeah, they don't play games every single day. Obviously, it's once a week, you know, every Saturday. But still, if you have one player come down with it, odds are on that football team, more players come down with it. So then the question is, where do you draw the line then? If one guy gets it, do you shut down the season? If two guys get it, three, four. If a big name gets it, if a Trevor Lawrence gets it, does that make a difference? Like, there's nothing in place right now. All we're trying to do is we're, we're in this panic mode, we're in this cavalier mode, and we're just saying, you know what, screw what they're trying to do, I'm going to do it my way, and I'll see you guys at the finish line. That's not how you make progress, okay? Whether it's in life, whether it's in business, whether it's in sports, that's not how you make progress right now. So what I need to, you know, for the NCAA to do is step up, have a game plan, okay? What I need for college you know, teams to do is analyze the whole landscape of it. I get it. College football brings a lot of money to your school. You guys are worried, but let's take a let's take a step back right now and analyze the whole college football realm. And I need and then I need the college presidents and the deans to look at it and say, how is it right that we're asking athletes to come back on campus and practice, but we have our students doing online classes? Where is that right? And by the way, these football players aren't getting paid. Okay, so how do you justify that? You can't. And if you can. Please tweet me, because I'd love to hear your response, but I doubt that you can. So it's just it's something to keep an eye on, man. Um, you know, that was a little bit of a rant and everything, but I'm just I'm tired of, of reading different stories from different ideas. Like, it's college sports, okay? Let's all get on the same page, and let's come up with a plan. We don't need Cavaliers right now. We need a team, okay? So let's everybody man up. Put the ego aside, because I know it's a lot in college football, but let's put the ego aside and let's come up with a plan that not only gives us a college football season, but keeps the student-athletes safe. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? More on ESPN 6-9 when we get back. That's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry if you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher and the amount of money I make is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm sorry. So in my head, I'm preparing for next season. And I'm preparing, well, I'm actually preparing for right now. But as if I'm preparing for next season. Like, it's it's super weird, man. Tampa Bay pitcher, Blake Snell. That was over a Twitch? Like yeah, a, he was he's streaming playing... a baseball, like MLB the show. Sure. Like a game. He yeah. was playing it, and he was just kind of talking. Yeah. Once again, um, voice does not match the face, and that's okay. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm never one to judge a book by its cover unless we're talking about Goosebumps. I always judge the Goosebumps books by their cover because the best covers were the best books. But besides that, man, where you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to see... Mike Trout come out right now and say something. I don't know if I want to see like a Christian Yelich, you know, kind of like these faces of baseball who are a little more calm and reserved because it is kind of ironic. You know, the the big names of baseball for the most part um, are pretty low key, you know, so does Major League Baseball maybe need one of those guys right now to come out? Do, do we need Mike Trout Actually, to g- go ahead? We kind of so there was audio in our rundown that they sent. I haven't heard this. Okay, but is Bryce Harper Harper talking about what Snell? Okay, said? when I when I say calm and reserved, Bryce Harper may not be one of those things. But let's see what we got here. <laughs> what did Snell say on his stream earlier? Do you know? 
uh, that he said it's not worth it to play with pay cuts and that he like you guys are risking your lives getting like obviously getting COVID. Yeah, I love Sam. That's my guy, bro. If you, I love. He Sam. said if he said if someone gets it, they got to live with that for the rest of their lives. He ain't and lying. He's right. He's like, I need my. He's like, give me my money, or I'm not saying. <laughs> hey, bro, he's speaking the truth, bro. I ain't mad at him. Yeah, bro. First By the of way, all, they're playing yeah, Fortnite. I, I know he's playing Fortnite because he's chopping down like a million boxes or whatever like that. So let's go ahead and turn the video game volume down a little bit, Bryce Harper. What did I just say, Coos? I said, let's hear from Mike Trout. <laughs> let's hear from Kristen Yelich. And what do you do? You, you give me Bryce Harper. Listen. Who's the exact opposite of those two? Listen, he's a big-name player. He's a big-name player. Who's making a lot of money. Making so in this situation, you would lot. think he'd have a similar opinion. I mean... All right, can we? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say right now. Do we agree that baseball players are a little bit out there? No offense to Brett Martin, obviously, but they're they're kind of out there in terms of personality. Or do we have to say, you know what? Let's not do interviews when baseball players are playing video games because obviously right. it comes across in the wrong way. Well, and I, I I think the main problem is when it when it gets into the money aspect, right? Like I think that's even what you guys were saying last or yesterday on the show was yeah. like once it. Once it's about money, then then people can't get on the because if it were, that's why the argument for college is different, right? Mm -hmm, There's no there's no money involved. Yes, you could talk about scholarships and stuff like that, but with baseball, it's a lot of money involved. Of course, it it feels different. It's a different tone. Well, yeah, it does feel different, right? Because in my opinion, right now with college football players and universities needing them to make money, they're, they're 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 pawns, man. Okay, and that's not a cool thing to say, but that's what they are. I mean, the universities need them to come back could, to try to boost income. Could you say that owners are maybe using the MLB players in the same way so that they well, can potentially make money? Listen, are owners taking a hit right now in all professional sports? Absolutely. Is Shad Khan going to take a hit this year because he doesn't have two games in London? You better believe it. But guess what, man? They're owners of of major league teams. They're owners of NFL franchises. They're going to be okay. Okay, they can afford to miss one year. Now, it's going to be a damage to the ego, right? It's it's going to be a damage to the bottom line. And if you're an always competitive person, because that's why you got to be a billionaire in the first place or a millionaire, I get that. But they're going to be okay. So once again, like I see where Blake Snell is coming from. I see what Bryce Harper here was trying to say, but like. They're trying to use this platform, it seems like, to try to sound like, you know what, we're going to start this revolution. Everyone's going to have our backs because we're major league baseball baseball players and we're not going to put our lives on the lines. Everybody rally behind us. Coos, how many people right now are on unemployment? You know, how, how many people right now are just trying to pay, make ends meet? How many people are trying to wonder where their next meal is coming from? So we don't want to hear it right now when we got medical, you know, people in the field. We have, you know, police. We have all these people that, you know, are, quote, unquote, putting their life on the line, like Blake Snell put it, because it's their job. Okay? Now, I'm not saying, yeah, go out there and risk your life for my entertainment so I can watch baseball. Okay? I'm not saying that. But to me, in Blake Snell's perspective, you have to put it in perspective. All right? You have to see the whole picture. And you're not doing that, man. You're, you're rocking these blinders on, and you're thinking it's us against them. And then you have Bryce Harper hitting so many boxes playing Fortnite, annoying me doing it. Hey, get on Call of Duty or get on Apex Legends. Is Fortnite still a thing? I think it's still a thing. Okay. Well, then you have Bryce Harper who, let's be honest, he, he's a big name in baseball. And one could argue that maybe Bryce uh, Harper has more influence on the next generation than even Mike Trout does. 
Right, where I think like Bryce Harper kind of brings us a little bit of a swag, right? He's got this attitude. Um, it's almost cool to play baseball, right? It's it's like a, it's kind of like I'm this rebel type of dude, you know? I just got over three hundred million dollars and check me out, and I like it, man. I, I think Bryce Harper is good for the game of baseball. Whether you're a kid and you like him, or whether you know you're an old head and you hate him, you're gonna talk about him. Okay, I always compare it to like a Sidney Crosby of the NHL. Like I can't stand Sidney Crosby. He's a pretty boy, but the kids love him. Okay, and he's a really good player, so it helps NHL. So Bryce Harper is the same way, but I just feel like they're they're missing they're missing the whole landscape. They're they're missing the big picture right now. Yes, get your money. I, I encourage every professional athlete, no matter the sport, to get your money, man. Absolutely, because you know why? It's not going to last forever. And I don't care if it's twenty thousand dollars or if it's a hundred million dollars. Go get your money. You've earned it. You put the time in. You deserve it. But you have to be careful about how you go about it here. And right now, what I have to go off from Blake Snell and Bryce Harper, it doesn't make Major League Baseball look good. And right now, I think more than anything, with the Houston Astros and all that nonsense, they need baseball to look good. Okay? So we'll see what happens once again. Like, And this isn't really Mike Trout's position to come out and say something. I'm not telling like Mike Trout, you better step up, man, before you lose baseball. Like It's not like that at all. I just wish that we could hear some more views. But I don't think Mike Trout even plays Fortnite. I'm sure Mike Trout's in the gym right now, quietly, not on Instagram, not on Twitter, not tweeting about it, and he's going to work because that's what Mike Trout does, and damn it, do I respect it, Coos. Um, we talked about a little bit of a story here, you know, developing with DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar um, of, the, you know, of the New York Giants and Seattle Seahawks, respectively. And, man, um, you know, we're, we're coming here to a break, but I'm, I'm need longer than two minutes to try to give my thoughts on this thing. Um, to try to summarize what's going on right now, supposedly last night uh, a warrant was issued for DeAndre Baker, Quentin Dunbar. You know, two guys that have obviously close ties. One goes to Florida, other goes to Georgia. Um, actually, DeAndre Baker was a first-round pick by the New York Giants, I want to say two years ago now, um, or maybe a year ago. And they're at this party. Okay, and for whatever reason, according to the police reports, according to, you know, reports is that there was an altercation, semi-automatic guns got pulled, which I I, I don't know what I don't know what a semi-automatic gun is, because a semi-automatic gun can be a shotgun. It can be an AR. It can be a handgun. So, hey, police. And I don't want to call the police up, but like, could we be more specific here? And I get it. Do any gun getting pulled out of a party? Not cool. I understand that. But like. I need to know what, what we're talking about here. So a semiotic, whatever kind of gun, gets pulled out of the party. And essentially what happens is DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar start robbing these people. They, they hold them at gunpoint at a party and start robbing these people of, of watches and, and of cell phones and wallets. And obviously my first question is, hey, guys, you're in the NFL. DeAndre Baker, you're a first-round pick. You're, you're making millions. Why, why are we robbing people at parties? Um, so it, it's just, listen, the, the, this whole story, it, it's weird. I'm not sure if we have all the details quite yet, but let's be honest though. If you have four or five people come out and say, yeah, that was DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar, whose word are you going to believe them or the two guys? And to make matters worse, the police department issues the warrant on Twitter and tags the Seahawks and the New York Giants in it. That's a savage move. Do you think that, they, do you think they know what they're doing there when they did it? They, they, they knew what they were doing. They had to. Oh, not a good look. Not a good look, especially for the New York Giants. He spent a first-round pick on that guy. And now, once again, we'll see what happens. But 
it's not looking good, man. I mean, you have assault. Um, you have the armed robbery. Like, there, there's a lot of accusations right now that we could be looking at maybe life in prison, depending on an alibi. But I don't really see one right now for DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar. So definitely a story to keep in mind here. But not a good look right now for the NFL. Not a good look for those two whatsoever. We'll, uh, we'll see if some more stories develop from that. But when we get back, hopefully, I don't know, his phone's off right now. Like I said, he marches to the beat of his own drum. And maybe Evan Britton will be joining us here in the 4 o'clock hour. Stay tuned to ESPN 690 and Action Sports Jacks.